Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we're excited to announce paid DLC for the show. For 75 cents, you can buy special me costumes for Patrick and Mark. They're just hoodies and jeans. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as I always am, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including the top downloaded games on Switch and the announcement of Persona 5R. Then on Thursday, we're going to be uh, reviewing our New Year's resolutions from 2018 and talking about our favorite games from the year. But in the meantime, Mark, how are you? Doing great. So good to see you, Patrick. It's great to see you, too. I know that there was no interruption in our show schedule but we haven't seen each other in almost two weeks which is a really long time for us yeah it's the longest since we started doing the show it's the longest we've not seen each other you look great that you look awesome too man god we both look so good we're starting 2019 (laughs) right we're doing it right we are doing it right so uh happy happy new year to you mark happy new year to you as well and happy new year to you listener yeah and look if you want to get the new year off right and you're you're like what do what do I need in the new year? I need a game from 2017, 18. Who even remembers? <laughs> uh, 17. We can never remember when this game came out. <laughs> Sonic Forces, my copy of it. Would you like to borrow it? You can. All you gotta do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. You go on a list. I send the game to you, uh, and then it comes back to me. In full disclosure here. I have not seen the game in a couple months. It's taken its time. It's taken its time. Uh, And that's fine. Look, it's been, it was at one point away for five continuous months. So, you know, there's still, there's still time for it to come back. All we can do is trust the system. Uh, And I do, Mark. I do trust the system. Do you know what, do you know what I also trust? Tell me what you also trust. Our listeners' opinions. Oh, yes. And we need them. Because. In a little over a week, mm-hmm. we're going to be determining which series featured in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate yes. makes the best contribution to that game. Now, what does that mean? Best contribution? My goodness, does that mean most number of characters, most number of stages, has your favorite character in it? It means all these things at the same time. It means everything and nothing. Right, which is why we need your help. So please, you know, if you just want to get in there and be like, hey, just not Fire Emblem, you got to let us know. Yeah, Can- anything but Bayonetta. Right. You got to write in. <laughs> right. And I, I mean, I feel like it would be weird for someone to make a really strong spirited case for like, no, Bayonetta contributes the most. To but I Smash love weird things. So if somebody wants to make that case, I would love to hear it. Yeah, as, as would I. And, you know, honestly, uh Bayonetta was an overpowered character in the last version of the game, and like the competitive scene revolved around her. So, like, make that argument. So, we're going to be releasing that episode on January 10th, which, when we came up with this topic, seemed like a million years away. Right. But now is like a week away. Yeah. So, like, get that into us now. And we would have been a little bit slower, people uh, coming in with their, their opinions on this, it, which I a, understand. It's a, it's a meaty topic. It is a meaty topic. So, what you need to do is go out to the field, slaughter a calf, 
butcher it, prepare it nicely, and send it into us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. That will help us um, tremendously. All right, Mark, let's get into what we've been playing this week or the last two weeks. Let's get into what we've been playing. The holidays means, for me, visiting family. Uh-huh. And visiting family means snipper clips. Oh, my goodness. And you're still speaking to your family? <laughs> uh, so I pulled it out. My sister... It didn't her- answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> my sister and her husband, um, my husband, me, played four-person snipper clips. The first time I've ever played four-person snipper clips. I don't think I've, I ever have played four-person snipper clips. Um, it's just like snipper clips, which yep. is to say a complete delight. <laughs> uh, when you're trying to figure out how to solve the puzzles, it gets not heated, but everybody has, opin- has an opinion. Right. You're trying different things. You're saying, like, turn this way, and somebody's like, I don't know what that means, so I'm just going to rotate. And then right. you're like, no, not this way, that way. No, you idiot. Turn me into a scoop. <laughs> But when you solve one of the puzzles, yeah. you it feels like such an accomplishment. Right. And, I mean, even when you're not solving the puzzles, the sort of frustration that you get into with each other is so funny. Um, and the way the characters react to it is adorable. There's really not much to not like about that game, except maybe it's brevity. Yeah. And, you know, I never even picked up the DLC. Yeah. I guess, did I? I really liked that game when it came out. Yeah, me too. And it's a great one to go back to. So yeah, that's that was a ton of fun. Um, also, I played Firewatch. I played through Firewatch. You played all the way through Firewatch. Mm-hmm. It's not that long. It took mm-hmm. me maybe like four hours or something. Okay. It's a pretty short experience. Did you do um, it in, in one sitting? Or? No, I, I did it over it, like short sittings over maybe like a week mm-hmm. or so. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I think... When I first finished it, I didn't. I, it didn't feel like complete to me. Like I, I, I wasn't sure that I enjoyed the experience. Yeah. And then I thought about it for Firewatch for people who aren't like familiar oh, with sure. what what the game is, which I wasn't really until I played it. Yeah. So it's it's like a first person, largely narrative driven game, right? Yeah, I would say entirely narrative driven. There sure. are like, I, I think it is, I guess what you would call a walking simulator. Sure. Where the game takes place like in the 1980s, you are somebody who is on like Firewatch in a national forest. And so your job is just hang out in the forest. And you're radioing between a woman who you never meet. And you guys are like having this, uh, your relationship is like building. It's all very, uh, I mean, the story. The story is what you would play Firewatch for, so I don't want to go too much into yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Um, but but at first you felt like there wasn't a, like a, enough. No, it wasn't that it wasn't enough. It was that it, the story didn't feel very satisfying to mm. me. And but the it kind of like subverts your expectations. And but at first I didn't feel like it was very. In, in a really positive way. But then I was talking to a uh, friend of the show, June, mm-hmm. about it. And as I was describing it, I like talked myself into liking it. I was like, oh, actually, I guess like these things that initially I didn't like about it, I appreciated more after like thinking about it. Yeah. So thank you to Katie for the recommendation. I'm glad I played it. I'm, conv- I'm still like 
I don't know that I enjoyed the experience, but, but it, it sounds like you enjoy having had the experience. Yeah, I think that's fair. Is a weird distinction to make, but I think I get it. I I know I've seen movies and read books and uh, certainly read comics where I'm like, this wasn't fun for me to read, but now that I'm like thinking about it and like trying to parse out uh, why I reacted the way I did to it, um, that it is a you know, that that can be a satisfying experience. Yeah, and I like it's 20 bucks on Switch. I'm sure you can probably find it cheaper on other platforms where yeah, it's been totally. out for a long time. Or I ended up buying, saying, like, four bucks on it because of gold points, and it was definitely yeah, worth that. Yeah, gold points, yeah. definitely worth four bucks. <laughs> um, Man, there were some good, just, like, deals on Switch over the last week. I think they've all ended now, effective the uh, beginning of the year. Um, I was tempted to buy so many games bought none um but i I spent a a lot of the break and um this weekend playing guacamelee 2 which initially you were not cool on but just felt very talky yeah and it remains too talky um and you know the the game wants you to have just experienced guacamelee 1 or to just like have all of your guacamelee lore like right there locked and loaded because it is a uh, like multiple timeline, uh, like multiverse sort of uh, setup, which is cool for gameplay reasons that like you get to traverse into all these different versions of the world that you're in. But it's also you know hugely reliant on you knowing exactly what the mythology is in the first place to like appreciate the differences. Um, but it also strips you of all of uh, Juan's powers from the beginning. So like. If you're super familiar with it, that means like you just played it, but now you can't do any of the things that you used to do. Anyway, the I would say the early go of this game is uh, not representative of how the rest of it um, plays out. When the game really gets cooking and you've got all of like the special moves, um, and you're you know chaining together like a dash punch with an uppercut, with a double jump, with a, the wall run with a wall launch and all the moves that you can do when you transform into a chicken and like switching between versions of the world. Like it feels like nothing else. Like it is a perfect synergy of combat and traversal and it just feels so exciting and is so fun. Um, and for me, I think one of the things that made it feel better uh, was I started to play a lot of it on the TV instead of in handheld mode which is sort of hypocritical of me because I was kind of waiting for it to come out on Switch so I could play it, uh, you know, on Switch, which means I can play it in handheld mode, right? Um, But, like, the talkiness of it didn't bother me as much when it was on the TV and I could, you know, it's easier to read everything. And, uh, yeah, it it all just made a lot more sense to me once I had it on TV. And Guacamelee will also do a thing where, like, it zooms way out so you can see like the entirety of like this big map that you're running around chaining all these moves together um and you know that's all stuff that i did on the tv which again felt great tv's very big so you know i could never lost one uh was always able to do it um but yeah i i finished it yesterday and really loved the experience yeah how how long of a game is it like or how long did it take you to get through it yeah i mean less fewer than 10 hours um for me to get through it and you know there's a lot of stuff in there that i can go back and and re-explore um you know the the game is does have that sort of like metroidvania um layout to it but if you want to just like mainline it there's you don't have to do a a ton of backtracking but you know there there are all these like other things that i know i could collect i know i could go back and get 
that would involve me going back through parts of the map that that I've already been through. Um, I, I like a lot the, this game's uh, self-awareness. Um, this is something I liked a lot about The Messenger as well. Um, but this game will also, when it's lifting from other games, it does it kind of explicitly and uh, is, I don't know, it has a good sense of humor about it. So, like, um, as you get towards the... Oh, so we, as you're passing through, like, different parts of the, the Mexiverse, which is their multiverse, but it's Mexican. <laughs> um, that you pass through a uh, Street Fighter section where there's just a car that you can beat up. So, <laughs> and when you beat it up, there's, like, a guy watching there who's horrified that you're beating up his car. Uh, and then at the end, it just says, perfecto. Um, and there's, like, a, a Pac-Man portion of it, which was really cool and fun. Like, you're just on the Pac-Man map, like, running and jumping as you normally would, but it's the Pac-Man map. Um, and uh, there, there's a, a part at the end where you're riding uh, dragons that are moving around like the snakes in Battletoads. You ever get to level uh, five in Battletoads? No, I never got to level five in Battletoads. It might be level six. This game sounds to me like it should have been a licensed title for Ready Player One. Uh, I mean, I feel like it is less, I mean, it does celebrate all these things. <laughs> no, no, it was a bad joke on my part, <laughs> not a real suggestion. Look, what I'm saying is I really like this game, um, and should I have played it earlier in the year on a platform that wasn't Switch? I don't know, yes, but I didn't. I played it now, and it was fun now. Speaking of which, yes. I've also been playing uh, Katamari Damacy Reroll mm -hmm. that uh, I borrowed from June. Uh, first time I've ever inserted a cartridge into my Switch. No way. Yeah. First time? <laughs> Everything else. I had to figure it out. Because <laughs> the, the uh, cover yeah. on the cart or cart slot, it's one of those that you like pop it out and it feels like you're breaking the plastic. But you're not. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, man, that is such a perfect game. Yeah, I'm having so much fun. I've never played it before, but like everything about it is awesome. Uh, what it's, what is what is perfect about it? What so it's really like uh stylish and cute, and the music's amazing, and it's actually kind of like soothing, just rolling around and uh, collecting all of this stuff. The controls take a little bit of getting used to. Uh, I still don't feel like I like have them because the physics of it are a little weird. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's and it seems fairly brief, which for me is like a selling point. Yeah. I haven't finished it yet, but I think I'm getting pretty close. But it also isn't one of those games where like I feel like I need to mainline it. Right. Uh and I can't stress enough, the music is amazing. Um, you mentioning that the controls are a little awkward, um, does actually uh remind me of not a complaint I have about guacamole, but when you have so many different moves at your disposal, uh it is easy to forget which button does what. And there was a little bit where I had learned the wall run where I couldn't remember how to do it. <laughs> I kept jumping at this wall knowing I had to run up it. That's so annoying. Is yeah. there does it have like a menu? It doesn't. Oh, that's awful. Uh, that's so, awful. So I was, I was like trying everything I could think of, and then I was like, oh, it's just, it's another button, and I did figure it out. But I was, you know, throwing myself at that wall for like five straight minutes, which is tough. Katamari is more like so you use the two uh, joysticks to mm -hmm. go in the direction you want to. I guess analog sticks to go in the direction you want to. They give you joy, <laughs> but. It, 
you have to you're like pushing them in tandem or like one forward and one backward to turn and the physics of it change depending on like how large the calamari is and like all that kind of stuff so it makes sense it's just a little cumbersome sometimes sure seems like that's probably part of it yeah for sure (laughs) i mean it seems really cool uh i've also been playing continue to play super smash brothers ultimate uh i assume that you have as well but maybe i'm mistaken in that yeah a little bit um, I, on the plane to Chicago to celebrate Christmas, I unlocked the last of the characters, um, made me very happy to do so. I've not gone back to it much since then. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I did it. <laughs> I feel like it's like Breath of the Wild syndrome. You like open up the entire map. Right. And you're just kind of like, oh, that was the most enjoyable part of this game. Right. And then Alexander wept. <laughs> there were no more worlds to conquer, <laughs> even though there is a huge world of light left, uh, to conquer. And I'm nowhere nowhere near doing that yet. Um, but I, I feel like that that's a game that I will settle into, um, especially early in uh, 2019. Um, you know, we got new Super Mario uh, Deluxe coming out. But uh, other than that, I've, well, who knows? We'll find out if, if it's actually going to be a quiet year. There's going to be a direct sometime in January, which will upend our worlds. Um, but yeah, I, I hope to spend a lot more time playing it in the new year. All right, that's what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. We're kind of in the doldrums of early January. The Mm -hmm. only thing really of note to my mind is on January 4th, Fitness Boxing is coming out for Switch. Fitness Boxing. It's a Uh Nintendo-published game that... I don't know that it was developed by Nintendo. It it was not. Fitness a- Fitness Boxing is developed by Imagineer. Oh, okay. Um, I wanted to read the uh, description, the Wikipedia description, or at least the first sentence of it. Fitness Boxing is an Xer gaming video game developed by Imagineer and published by Nintendo exclusively for the Nintendo Switch. Xer gaming, <laughs> not a real thing. Not a real thing. Nice try though. Um, Imagineer that. Oh boy! Uh, here's the thing. Yeah, is Lay it, it on me. doesn't it feel like a a leftover from the Wii era? It does. Um, it does. But I mean, the Wii era was kind of awesome. So maybe this game. So you, you're gonna maybe pick up extra gaming? Extra gaming. Look, if someone wants to send us, no one send us extra gaming. <laughs> no one do this. We don't want especially because extra gaming is a concept, right? Are you talking? Oh yes, fitness yes. boxing. Fitness boxing. <laughs> My mind has just has just combined them together. Surely, no one would uh, make up a general concept that is extra gaming. That's got to be the title of a game. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, Mark. Let's get out of the new releases. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, the question that you have posed for us today is, uh, your famous... You're a famous author. What book slash series made you famous? Exactly. So let's say, Patrick, that you are a published author. Okay, all right. And you're super famous. I'm, I'm so famous. 
I can't walk down the street no, without, without being, being mobbed. mobbed. Mm. <laughs> what book or series of books uh-huh. did you write uh-huh. that made you so famous? Okay, and so what we're saying is that I am not an existing famous no, author. you're not. So I can't be like Harry Potter. I can't, <laughs> I can't just say that I did Harry Potter and that's why I'm famous. No. Do you think J.K. Rowling gets mobbed when she walks down the street, or do you think people don't even recognize her? I think it's a little... Uh, I think it depends on where she goes. <laughs> Book convention? Probably mobbed. Probably mobbed. No, I actually think she... I, do you think she goes outside very much now? Yeah, like, she's, I, like, super, super rich. So does she go outside in, like, mm. the normal way, or does she... Just hang out in Malibu? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> or the British equivalent. <laughs> Whatever British Malibu is. Don't write in. I don't want to know. Um, yeah, I would, I would guess that she, that she goes outside. I, I, cause here's the thing. Here's the thing with even the most famous authors in the world, still relatively anonymous. Yeah. Right. Like I consider myself a pretty big Harry Potter fan. And if JK Rowling walked down the street, I don't think I would, someone would have to say JK Rowling is about to walk down the street and then I might identify the wrong white lady. (laughs) Right. And so that's the thing. Like, I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what JK Rowling looks like. But if I saw somebody walking down the street who looked like J.K. Rowling, I'd be like, oh, that person looks like J.K. Looks Rowling. Like J.K. Yeah. Rowling. But also, you can tell when somebody's like super rich. So you might be like, <laughs> so you might be like that very wealthy lady right. looks a lot like J.K. Rowling. Is she J.K. Rowling? And then, you know, that'd be something to discuss at dinner. Right. I maybe saw J.K. Rowling. Uh, but what book yeah. s- or book series mm-hmm. uh, would be? So, okay. Um, I would think, I would assume, just knowing what I know about me, that it would be a comic book series. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, that I, I, w- I would not be known for narrative. You're not writing prose. prose. Exactly. I'm writing comic books, probably. Um, and, hey, because this is a fantasy, let's just say Batman. Let's say I'm famous for writing Batman. Super famous <laughs> for writing Batman. Yeah. Who do you think is the most famous Batman writer? Tim Burton. <laughs> Right? Probably. What? Yeah, probably. I mean, he didn't what write a any of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he never wrote. Or at least he, he's not credited for it. I don't know what went on behind the scenes of those movies. I don't think anyone does. Uh, what, 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 what about you, Mark? What, what do you think you would I'd be like famous for? I like to think for? that I would be like a Danielle Steele. Uh, you have to tell me what that means. <laughs> like, I write... Like a, like a series of airport thrillers? Yes. Mm. Yeah, like... Um, or I guess like a James Patterson. Yeah. You know... Uh, I have a brand, and that brand is murder. Right, right. That's good. I mean, that that's fun, and that means you have probably exciting fans. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Here's the thing. I don't, for as interesting as comic book writing is to me, I don't know that I would want comic fans as fans. No offense, comic fans, but you're the worst. <laughs> not all of them, of course. Uh, no, we're it's, not. It's a dark time in, in comic fandom right it's now. It's a dark time in fandom in general. It's a dark time. It's a dark time. Just period. And you know what would really cheer up this dark time? What's that? Uh, a female detective <laughs> in like the 1930s, Okay, maybe. all right, yeah. And she's rich, probably from some horrible accident her late husband suffered. But like, it wasn't her fault. Maybe that's what got her into solving crime because the detectives did a poor job. Oh, so she had to get get into it on, yeah, on her own. Yeah, take on the mantle mm-hmm. on her own. But she's wealthy, so she doesn't have to work because, like, boring. Because, right. <laughs> like, 
Batman doesn't have to work. No. And Batman's excited. Thank you, Tim Burton, for that. Okay. So she saw. No, seriously, crimes. what what Batman writer would you be able to recognize on the street? I, Tim Burton ex- excluded. Uh, Scott Snyder. Yeah, maybe I could. Also, and I'm basing it off of his like Twitter photo. Yeah, he looks like that. Yeah, <laughs> I would also be able to pick out Brian Azzarello because he looks like Brian Azzarello, but he doesn't write that much Batman. Oh, okay. So this is the end of this recording. Uh, we, w- <laughs> I guess we'll never know. We'll never know for sure. We'll never know for sure who we would recognize. We were accompanied today by the 8th Street Orchestra, um, and the ending there is someone's daughter saying, why are you being quiet? It was very cute. It made me laugh, so I thought, let's do it. Thank you, 8th Street Orchestra. Mark, let's get into the news. Last week, Nintendo posted a news item in the Switch news feed touting the best-selling games of 2018. They listed 26 of them, which to me seems like a strange number to cut it off at. What is the 26th one? Golf Story? Golf Story. Okay. (laughs) It's really one to put Golf Story on there, I guess. (laughs) Okay, so here's the list. Yeah. Number one is Fortnite. Sure. On on half of Switches. Followed by Fallout Shelter, Mm. Paladins, Free, Free, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Not free. Uh, and also just came out yeah, a few weeks ago. Crazy. Uh, Warframe. Free. Arena Valor. Also free. Minecraft. Not free. Hollow Knight. The rest of these aren't free. Super Mario Party. Uh huh. Celeste. Mario Tennis Aces. The Pokemon Let's Go Eevee is listed before Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu. Now wait a minute. Yep, I know. <laughs> I'm I'm with you. Dead Cells. Overcooked Two. Octopath Traveler. Undertale. Kirby Star Allies. Diablo Three Eternal Collection. Wizard of Legend, which no idea what that is. Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, Okami HD, Darkest Dungeon, Crash Bandicoot in Insane Trilogy. Thank you. <laughs> Shuffle Knight Treasure Trove and Golf Story. Okay. Now, a couple questions for you. Yeah, lay a mummy. So they uh, said that these were best-selling games, but since it includes free-to-play titles, uh, we're all assuming it's free down like most downloaded games. I would guess so, and not like revenue mm-hmm. by game. Even though you would still probably expect to see Fortnite at the top. Yeah. Uh, other games like Fallout Shelter. Would it would be surprising to me if Fallout Shelter had made the most money, second most money on Switch in 2018. So who knows if these are really in any particular order? Like the Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu thing is really strange, especially since like on the Switch's bestseller charts yeah pikachu was always above eevee so maybe these aren't in any particular order and when they when they list sales of pokemon games they usually bundle the two in the generation together anyway when then then i wonder where on this list it would be i mean maybe the maybe you're right maybe the order is arbitrary and they're like let's feature some of our best-selling games and they're like oh there's a nice clean cutoff after 26 and they're like great run with it really sinks for that 27th title yeah well you know what what are you what are you gonna do poor um uh guacamelee 2 not on this list here here, here's something i'm i'm noticing just now both guacamelee 2 and overcooked 2 have exclamation points in the title but before the number they're both the word with an exclamation point and then the number two well i mean but that makes sense right because the first game was overcooked and now it's Overcooked, Overcooked two. two. I mean, but you, wouldn't you want the fact that it's the sequel to also be exciting? Overcooked two. Maybe it's a Overcooked. Tra- maybe it's like a tra- two. 
Maybe it's like a trademark thing. Uh, yeah, that, that's probably true. Look, the point is, don't put punctuation in your titles. We learned this from... Yeah, Bruce. you're not a strip club. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Uh, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit has no question mark in, in that title. Does it not? It does not. Huh. It's just, it, is, it is as though the sentence is, like, he who framed Roger uh, Rabbit. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, like, when uh, Time's Person of the Year was me, uh-huh. it's like, who framed Roger Rabbit? Who did? Who? Who, who framed oh, Roger I, Rabbit? Oh, I see. What's on second base? <laughs> and I don't know who's on third. <laughs> on Sunday, December 30th, Alice released a teaser trailer for Persona 5R. The publisher has a history of releasing deluxe versions of Persona games on portable platforms such as Persona 4 Golden on PS Vita, leading to speculation that 5R would be coming to Switch or will be coming to Switch. However, no no platforms have been announced specifically for the game, and the but the teaser trailer started with a PlayStation logo, so so we don't know. What do we think? <laughs> uh it still makes sense for it to be on Switch, but that doesn't mean that it will be on Switch. Right. Um, but also there is a January Direct coming up, presumably. So maybe they're waiting for it to be announced there. Yeah, it's, maybe. It's, it's hard to know. I mean, there's also, like, uh, there there were, we, we don't have them uh, in, in the news here, but there were also uh, a few more details coming out about uh, Dragon Quest Eleven S. Well, this is going to be tough <laughs> to keep track of what extra letter these games Yeah, what are get. we, an iPhone? I don't know what's going... I mean, that's easy. I. <laughs> no, no, no. Like the, the 10S and yes. the 10R. Yes. Um, it's very difficult uh, to keep track of, and we're not going to do it right ever, um, except for maybe just this once. Um, but it would be cool if these two big JRPGs were like coming to Switch uh, at, at the, basically the same time. Yeah, it, it would be. I think it's possible. Um, yeah, I guess we... I don't know. We're supposed to find out more about whatever Persona 5 are, and presumably it seemed like they were also teasing some other Persona 5-related games. Mm. Um, and we're supposed to find out more about it in March. So maybe we'll have to wait until March. Would you be surprised if it doesn't come to Switch? No. I mean, the... The mainline Persona games have been exclusive to Sony there the entire time they've they've existed. So, um, and you know, again, like the the trailer for this started with a a Sony logo. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if it never gets off of there. It just like the precedent has been set that like the special version of it is a portable, and Sony doesn't have a portable anymore. If you want a portable, you go to you go to Nintendo. Yeah, I mean the Vita is technically still around. Sure. So, so is my old Virtual Boy. I don't know where it is. It's still around though. Point taken. Uh, relatedly, the announcement of Joker as a downloadable character in Smash Ultimate has led to a lot of cute social media posts where Sakurai uh, is visiting the Atlas offices. Those are real cute. He's visiting, like, a, a dude in a big cat suit. Yeah, it's Morgana, I think, yeah. from the Persona games. Mm-hmm. Uh, naturally, that has only uh, served to further fuel speculation that Persona 5R is coming to Switch. But, you know, Cloud was in Super Smash Bros. 4. And Final Fantasy VII is coming to, uh, to uh, Switch. Here's another thing that I just thought of that I was talking to June about. June brought it to my attention. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. 
is that the previous generation Super Smash Brothers games mm-hmm. were named Super Smash Brothers for 3DS and Super Smash Brothers for Wii U, meaning both like noting its place in the series as the fourth Smash Brothers game and which platform they were for. Well, except that they didn't come out at the same time and they're separate games. So if the Switch one had been called Super Smash Brothers 5 Switch, <laughs> then I would agree. But it's not. They're both for Switch. I also, agree. 4 that, was that's spelled F O R and not F O U R and not the number four. I know some people like that theory, June, evidently. Um, but uh, I mean, this is Smash Five, right? We call this Smash Five. Uh, do we? I feel. Like I don't we know call what it. my point is. We call it Ultimate because that's what. You got it really is. worked up about it, though. I did. I did, and I will not apologize. Sakurai also wrote a column for Famitsu about development on Joker and Smash, which revealed just how early they were in the process when the character was announced at the Game Awards. Joker was nowhere near in playable form, so uh, they were just like, well, we'll just come up with some like cinematic. Perfect. He also notes in the column that the team is aware of the problems with uh, online matchmaking right now, and that they will be, quote, making adjustments wherever possible to fix it wherever it needs fixing. Uh, fix wherever possible, or fix wherever it needs fixing. Sounds a little bit like a blow off. Yeah, wherever it needs fixing. I mean, I think at this point, we just expect that Smash Online is going to be problematic. The yeah, I mean, it's just like so many other of their online offerings on Switch have worked. Um, like Arms works just fine. Uh, uh, Mario Kart works pretty well, and uh, Splatoon is Splatoon. Like those are all—they're all pretty stable games. Um, and Smash is n- not following in those footsteps. Uh, so the couple of times that I've played online, it's been fine, except for some weird slowdown yeah. on one or two occasions. But I haven't put a ton of time into it, and obviously I'm not like a competitive player, right? So, um. I can't really speak to like any specific problems. Yeah, I mean any slowdown or like loss of frames in a uh fighting game, even one like Smash, it is big and noticeable, you know? Um and like just knowing that the experience is so positive and say Brawlhalla, um, which is obviously, you know, working to send less data uh, across the, the internet, um, is so much smoother. It's just like, you know, come on, this is something that should be right. In an interview with Kotaku UK, No More Heroes director Suda51 has stated that a third entry in the series is largely contingent on the success of Travis Strikes Again, saying, quote, I already have a, com- uh, have a composed outline for No More Heroes 3 in my head, and I want it to be way more epic than previous numbered installments in the series with regards to Travis and his battle towards the new assassins. Because of that, I felt like Travis needed a kind of sidestep to sort of add to his growth, giving him a chance to grow a bit more before his next big, ba- big battle in a numbered game. I feel like Travis Strikes Again is really integral to the series, and I want it to connect those numbered installments together, so I hope that people will support it because of that. Uh, thus, Suda51 has said that he will, quote, make sure that Travis Strikes Again does not fail. Does and- not fail. Kind <laughs> of sneak into people's homes and force them to buy this game. Hmm. Uh, so I guess the sort of takeaway from that is that uh, a, a new No More Heroes after the one that's coming out is not a foregone conclusion. Um, which I guess isn't totally news. I haven't actually played any of these games. Have you? Yeah, so I played the first one and maybe the second one, but I for sure played the first one. And I d- 
didn't really like it. Um, it was on the Wii. It was ugly. Mm-hmm. It controlled poorly, in my opinion. Um, it was kind of juvenile. I just didn't think it was that much fun. I don't, yeah. I'm not really very excited for Travis Strikes Again. Um, comes I, out in like two weeks. Does it really? Yeah. comes oh, out in boy. early January. Oh, boy. Well, don't worry. Suda51 will make sure that uh, it will not fail. And then you'll be exposed to another game that you're not sure you even want. Yeah. Uh, in an interview published in the Pokemon Let's Go Strategy Guide, game director Junichi Masuda was asked about the relatively short time it takes to reach the end of the game versus other RPGs, which we know can be endless. Right. Uh, Remember both of those games that we said come into uh, possibly coming to Switch, Persona 5R and Dragon Quest Eleven S. S. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um those games are like 100-plus-hour games. Uh, Masuda says, quote, When you consider how people live in this day and age, I think it's safe to say everyone's pretty busy. The way we spend our t- this time is different now from how it was 20 years ago. Thanks to smartphones, we're constantly bombarded with new information, and it's natural that you end up thinking you want to play some other games, too. So I felt like perhaps the time you spend on your adventures in these games didn't need to dominate all your free time. We sped up the walking speed for the player and kept the player time needed, to reach the Hall of Fame on the shorter side, end quote, to which I say, yes, short games forever. What a wonderful thing to have an RPG that somebody was like, huh, you know, we can speed up the walking speed and just have this be short. And then there's extra content at the end if somebody wants to continue to play. Yeah. I mean, there was a time when we needed to have games that lasted forever and that would punish you and make you play the same level over and over and over again. That was called college. That was called college. That was called being 12. Man being 12. Bo- both of these are great times to play Battletoads, by the way. I'm going to keep bringing it up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think this is wonderful. I would love to see this continue on in Pokemon games. There's a lot in Pokemon Let's Go that I would love to see continue on in Pokemon games. I really enjoy Pokemon Let's Go. I mean, there's also the, uh, like when you get to the end, there's all sorts of post-game content, right? Like, things yeah. you can do in Pokemon, um, like completing the Pokedex, for example. Right, but you still can feel like, I have finished this game. Right. There is something very rewarding and very, like, final about finishing a game. I was very happy to complete Guacamelee. Maybe I'll never go back to it, but if, if I want to, it's there. And I think most games understand that. On his blog, well, actually, sorry. Before, yeah. No, I, I, I don't actually don't know that I agree with that. I feel like, and maybe the tide is turning on this a little bit, but I feel like a lot of games are built with the idea that, like, in order to get the most revenue from you, you have to be playing this game all the time. And ah, so we, okay, yes. like, slow down progression or we just uh, make progression endless so that way you never are actually finished with this game. This yeah. game is constant. I guess what I meant is that games do sort of uh have the uh, like the concept of post-game content they've got that nailed so that if you want to come back to it and play the game forever you can oh i see what you're saying but uh, maybe what what you're saying is that like getting to that point that uh they haven't really mastered that and there are still games that you have to play for 100 hours before you get to a point that you're like okay i can walk away from this yeah yes we are in agreement ah good Starting the year off right. On his blog, Thimbleweed Park director Ron Gilbert shared sales of Thimbleweed Park across various stores um, and eShops, noting that 32.4% of sales have been on Switch, making it the most 
popular like individual store, the uh, PC sales dwarf it in total. Sure. Um, the second most popular store is Steam with 30.4%. And there's also like GOG and the other stores. Yeah. Uh, some other observations from Gilbert. Uh, given that it's a controller-based console, I think this is his. This is from his blog. This is from his yeah. blog. These are quotes. Given that it's a controller-based console, I am pretty impressed with the Xbox number, 10.2%. Microsoft has been a great partner. Shoutouts to Microsoft. Uh, that last part was editorializing on my part. Uh, the Sony numbers are perplexing, 3.5%. Compared to the Xbox, the PS4 has a much larger install base, especially in Europe, where Thimbleweek Park sales have been overwhelmingly the strongest. I'm constantly asked why we don't do a Vita port. This is why. Oh boy, Gilbert throwing some shade at Sony there. And uh, these Microsoft are, is a great partner. I'll not comment on my relationship <laughs> with Sony. These are all lifetime to date numbers. So Steam, GOG, and Xbox had a lead, which makes the Switch all the more impressive. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, it's maybe just the, the story that we've heard over and over again. Games sell, and I think even we've done one about Thimbleweed Park. Games sell well on Switch. And, uh, you know, here, here it is again. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate sold 5 million copies worldwide in its first three days of release. In an interview with Japanese outlet The Sankei News, President, Nintendo President Shutaro Furukawa commented on the success, saying, quote, The people who've played Smash before are coming back for this one. That accumulation of players contributed to the initial push in sales, end quote. So he's basically just saying people who didn't play the Wii U? Yeah, I think so. Like the Wii U 3DS or the GameCube version also. You know, I, I feel like that's kind of the story of Nintendo's like success with the Switch and the NES Classic Edition and the SNES Classic Edition. They are successfully riding this wave of attracting people who have fallen off the Nintendo bandwagon mm -hmm. to come back. I mean, otherwise, the Switch couldn't be as large of a success as it is. No, certainly not. Well, and I, I do think it's interesting that they are, like, successfully courting the, like, gamer audience again. Um, that, like, while the Wii was a success, it wasn't necessarily uh, a success with people who were, like, playing games seriously um, or, like, on a, you know, regular basis. But now that is what the Switch is doing. So it's, if you... You know, uh, other if you were like a serious, and I, I hate I hate even the term, and I keep using it, like serious gamer, you maybe have been sitting out Nintendo since the GameCube, right? But you probably have some pretty like fond memories of Nintendo, and I feel like they've done a right. really effective job of mining that goodwill mm -hmm. and that nostalgia while also still being innovative, which is a super tricky balance. Yep. Uh. In other Smash news, a Nintendo support website is listing DLC for the game in the form of me costumes at $0.75 cents per download. Mm -hmm. uh, none of this has been formally announced yet, but Nintendo sold a lot of me costumes as DLC for Smash 4. Yeah, and uh, a lot of it uh, selling like in bundles with uh, characters and stages and stuff. Um, but I never remember the price point being so reasonable. Um, and like, if something wasn't bundled with a, a character or a stage, I didn't buy it. Um, and I bought a lot of Smash DLC. I, like, I, I bought all the characters um, on both uh, both versions, uh, which there was a discount on. Um, and I there was one point where I was like, I should total up how much money I've spent on Smash Brothers 4. Ooh, dangerous. And I don't think I went through with it <laughs> because I, I got to a point where I was like, oh, do I have to count all of the Amiibo? 
And then I stopped. <laughs> uh, Nintendo has also been running timed events within Smash Ultimate that make exclusive spirits available on the spirit board. Yeah, have you seen this? Uh, I've seen it mentioned. I haven't seen it in action, I don't think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, obviously they've been doing uh, like little events where um you know like there are there there was one where it's like oh and now uh spirits with glasses are are they appear more readily. oh that's what i thought it was yeah yeah so there's some of that but there's also some of the uh there there are like new exclusive spirits that appear oh. for just a limited time gotcha there's, so yeah there's one right now that's the uh golden boost mushroom from uh mario kart it might not be up anymore I, it was hard for me to get a grasp on when these things were actually available um and there's no real word yet on whether, you know, you got to get them while they're there and they'll never come back or like if these things are going to be cyclical um, or what. But That's, it's it's like a, a neat way to kind of like eventize um, the game, you know, like a Splatfest or like the arms, whatever they called party those. Party Crash? Yeah, it might be Party Crash. That sounds good. I like it. <laughs> You're still shrugging your shoulders, but I like it. Uh, and finally, some sort of sad news, Damon Baker, who has recently become the face of indie games on Switch and host of the Nindy Showcase, will be leaving the company after over 12 years. He left to pursue a new opportunity in 2019 and assures Nintendo fans that they haven't seen the last of him. Uh, we wish him luck. Yeah, I've in- enjoyed his presence on the Nindy Showcases, um, you know, after Satoru Iwata died. Uh, I remember thinking, like, who is, like, the face of Nintendo now? And they've sort of, like, that's been sort of dissolved out into a couple different faces. And I, Damon Baker has been a fine inclusion in, in that list. And it seems him and the entire, like, third-party publisher relations team has been doing an amazing job with the Switch. Yeah, I mean, even not as the face of it, like... There have been a ton of great indie games on Switch, and they sell really well. So someone's doing some job right, but not anymore. (laughs) All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that is going to do it for our first Nintendo Cartridge Society of 2019. Mark, can you believe it? Okay. Um, Remember, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. All of that helps us out tremendously. We like it um, a lot. <clears throat> if you enjoyed this episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MK Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. Check out the Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8-Bit Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thanks for listening.